This is a momentous occasion. <clears throat> I owned a company for years, and we, we uh, well, for several years, and we, uh, all we did was help businesses get started and get stopped. And that was all it was. And there is a rule in the business world that if a company can get started and sustain itself for probably three to four years, it, it, has, a, it has a huge percentage uh, chance of making it. Um, but the truth of the matter is 99% of businesses that start fail. That's why I was in the business I was in. And the same people that would come into our warehouse and buy all of the infrastructure they needed to go out and start up their company oftentimes would reach out and get back in touch with us within the next year and say, what would you buy it back for? Because the cycle of success is not an easy cycle to get into. So I will tell you today that five years is past the cycle that we call the, the dead zone. Let me tell you something. You've outlived your detractors. You've outlived your doubts. You're celebrating five years of victory. And, uh, and I do truly believe that the best is yet to come for this church. I do. Look where God has brought you from. See, people see where God brings them from to the place they are, and they think, oh, well, this is good. You don't understand. It's not a place. It's an indication of trajectory. And so when we see where God takes you from zero to where you are right now, where you have two congregations worshiping God on the other side of each other in the same city, what can happen when we celebrate 10 years? Amen. Anybody really believe that? If you do, you ought to clap your hands and let the Lord know you believe it. So I could say a lot. We don't have time to just, if I were to remark about the, the Mitchell family and all that they mean to everyone. And I want to tell you something. These people are loved far and wide. And uh, there were people that they don't even know have been texting me and contacting me saying, I heard you're going to preach for Brother and Sister Mitchell. And then I said, yeah, we're going to celebrate. They said, man, that is so awesome what God is doing there. So you have fans you know not of. And there's a lot of people with their eye on what God is doing here. So don't blow it. Don't blow it. Yeah, pressure's on. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read today from the book of Mark chapter 4. And I didn't, as I was saying before, before I rambled off, I didn't. Um, if I ramble today, it's not my fault. It's a lack of sleep. It's Southwest's fault. Uh, I, I really did approach this very carefully and very prayerfully, and I have spent uh, a good amount of time in the presence of the Lord seeking God's help because my sole desire today, as is any time that we minister out, and even in my home church, any time that I'm preaching, my sole desire is God help me to bless your people. Help me to help your people. Um, the enemy is working overtime to discourage you and wear you down. And when you come to the house of the Lord, we want to convey a clear and certain sound. 
And we want you to receive strength today. And I believe God is going to help us. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It's a familiar passage of scripture. But I want to read it today. And, uh, and let's go there for a little while. Mark 4, 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. I want you to make note of that. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the back of the ship, asleep on a pillow. They awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Everyone say, no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What a tremendous story this is. And and it has so many parts and so many layers that are stacked on it. I really felt in prayer to preach this message to this church today. And I want to preach to you about the journey to the other side. The journey to the other side. You know, I'm just going to do it like we do at home, all right? I want you to just pray with me before I preach. I want you to set your Bibles down, lift up your hands and your heart, your voice. And let's lift up our voices and let's ask God to anoint us today. Anoint me to preach. Anoint you to hear. Because we need anointed hearing today. Father, we come to you once again. We're so grateful for your presence, your help, your strength that I feel even right now in this building. God, I pray your anointing would rest upon me to communicate to your precious people. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost set upon every ear that we can be diligent hearers of the word today, God. Help us today. Help me to convey your word to your people. And we ask all of this now in the name of Jesus. And the church said in Jesus' name. Amen. Say it like you believe it's powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have a story that if you, as some of these men reflected, they've been in church many years. Um, My first encounter with this story was as a child in Sunday school because I too also was raised uh, in church, uh, raised in the home of a minister. My grandfather was a minister. My great-grandfather was a minister. I never knew him. So I, I, I went to Sunday school from my, my earliest age. There was no option. You just went. And, uh, and, and I remember when we used to have live action flannel graph. Everybody laughed, just told you how old they were. Live action flannel graph. And they'd have, they'd have Jesus in a couple of different poses. And then the teacher, as they were teaching, they'd put him up. And then, and then they, could, they had a, a flannel graph that they could put him in the boat. And then they would put the waves all around it. And then they would have one of the, the sailors and all the disciples smiling. And then the one where the waves are crashing and the sailors, I mean, the disciples are all scared. And we had action-packed flannel graph. And so they taught this story to us as we were children. And we marveled 
And, and the, the message that they taught to us was that no matter what position you are in life, Jesus is with you. Yes. And he can speak to your situation and calm it down. Because that's what children need to know. But let me stop you today and tell you something. That if that's where you're putting the story in your life today, you're selling it far, far short from what it was intended. You know, oftentimes we're so guilty of trying to dumb down God. We end up dumbing down ourselves. And we want God to be so simple that we forget and we make ourselves simple about the things of God. The reality is there's layers of God that you and I will never discover. That's what heaven is all about. When we get to heaven, heaven is not some just fictional arrival place where we get there. When we get to heaven, it's the ongoing revelation of God and who he is to us. That's why we can't relate in our finite being about when it says we're going to praise him for a million years or a thousand years. Or somebody says, I'm going to praise him for the first million. And we look at that and we say, it's impossible because I have a hard time keeping that up for 15 minutes. And and when the best of best services, we get weary in worship. So we look at heaven and we think, man, how are we going to even get, how are we going to do this? Well, we don't understand because if you ever been in a service and you you feel or see something about God and it makes you want to worship God, that's what a little microcosm of heaven is because God's going to begin to reveal himself in ways when we see who he is, we're going to worship him. And just about the time we put our hands on our knees, so to speak, and say, wow, that was incredible another layer of God's going to come off and another wave of worship is going to sweep over. I'll stop and preach about church services here right now. That's why we should never cease to entertain the presence of God because you don't know what God's doing in somebody else's life. You don't know what layer God is pulling back in somebody else's mind and your worship and my worship can be a portal and a gateway for somebody else to get something about God they've never had before. So we look at this story. It's a simple story of Jesus and a storm and the disciples and everything. But again, if all we're doing is we're applying this to Jesus is our best help in a bad spot, then we're selling this story very short because it's much deeper than that. The the cooperation of the four Gospels, and you probably already heard this, but let let me tell you like I tell people, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are like an intersection of divinity and humanity. And and they don't conflict with one another. They agree. Because if you put four people on four different corners and you have two cars collide in the middle, they're going to all tell you the same story from a different perspective. And one saw the red car first, but in reality, the blue car was in the intersection first. And so it's not a contradiction. It's a perspective. And all of them a different place. You have Matthew who's an accountant. You have Luke, who's a physician. You have John, who's just a kid. You have, you, have, you have all of these Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at this story. Why is that important for us today? Because when, when the Gospels begin to repeat a story, and they all begin to tell a perspective of it, we should stop and go read that and pay attention to why are they all telling the same story. Why is this incident so important that, that the divine writers, the, the men who were wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost, all under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost said, this is an important principle for us to get. And so today, let's just look from another perspective. Let's look from Luke's side. 
And Luke looks and he said, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. So now the view is the same. It's not quite as emotionally involved. Of, they were all panicked. It's, it's a little bit now of the situation. Because Luke is, he's a physician. Let's just get to the facts. You're going to die. Matthew looks at it and said, Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. I want you to put all this together. Water is in the boat. Has anybody got that yet? Water is in the boat. Has anybody been in a sinking boat before? I, I have. And it was my boat. And I was sinking it. And I didn't even know I was sinking it until I looked down and I was standing in water. Because I used to be a, an avid water skier. And one day I went to the lake with a bunch of my friends and launched my boat and got it off the trailer and pulled up to the dock. And they all jumped in and we took off out on the water and we were laughing and talking and having a good time and getting ready to go get in the water when I realized we're already in the water. And then I had the, the moment of clarity that anybody who owns a boat has to have. And some of you know where I'm going. Don't get ahead of me now. It's my story, not yours. I said, did anybody put in the plug? No. Well, I'm going to tell you, I didn't really panic, but I did get in a hurry. And I can only imagine when you're in a boat and the water's lapping over the waves. Years ago, a, a man wrote a song. And because it's, you know, it's passed on, but some of you may remember it. We're going to see how old you are. He wrote a song, and everybody sang it for a long time. He rescued me. Anybody remember that? Yeah, you got a lot of old people in here. He rescued me from life's stormy seas. You know, the story behind that was that he was out, his father, the songwriter and his father were out on a lake fishing, and a, a storm blew up. And they were headed back to the dock because they said, we got to get out of this water. But on the way there, they looked and there was some trees in the lake. And they looked and on a tree was clinging an elderly couple just hanging onto this tree. And they pulled over there and pulled them in their boat. And the lady fell to her knees and grabbed his father and said, thank you for rescuing me. And the song was inspired. They were in a small little flat bottom, what we call a John boat. And the waves got too big and swamped the boat and it sank. And the tree was the only thing they could get to in the storm. And if they hadn't have come when they came, she said, I was getting tired. I didn't know how much longer I could hold on. A song comes up. You see, my boat's never been that far down. So I don't know how that feels, but I can tell you there's a lot of panic that sets in. When you realize this thing's going down and I don't have gills. And so I'm, I, am, I am an odd man out in this situation here. Are you, am I getting through to you today? This looks really bad, does it? Now let's flip it over just a little bit more. And now we realize everybody's in a panic. And everybody's running around. And everybody's trying to get the water out. And everybody's trying to figure out how they're going to make it. And Jesus is asleep. I just want to know, where is he sleeping? Because the boat's filled with water. But he's asleep, which ought to tell us something right now. What freaks you and I out doesn't even phase him. 
Now, that's not my message. That's free. What gets you and I so messed up and so panicked doesn't even phase him. He doesn't even know what's going on. So let us, t- let us agree together right now. The next time it comes in and we feel like I'm about to lose my mind, you need to look up to heaven and say, God, is this even waking you up? I could spend the rest of the afternoon talking about this, but we won't. I realized when I got here today, and I was, I was, don't hold it against me, I have two iPads. One is a mini, and, and this one is the biggie. Because I have bad eyes, so I use the biggie. Well, I got into this, and I don't know if this is good or bad, because while I've been praying this week, I've been adding a little bit here and there to this message, what I felt specifically. It's on the mini. It's not on the biggie. So this is going to be an abbreviated version of some things. But there's a couple of things about this we need to look at. You know what? This story is not about the storm. This story is not even about him being the God over the winds and the waves. This is not a story about bad timing. This is not a story about Jesus. This is a story about the people that said they were walking with him. And the story that we're reading today is about Jesus looking at people, not everybody, an intimate group. And he dismissed the multitudes because you can get a crowd if you want a crowd. But only God can help you build a church. And there's a big difference between a crowd and a church. You know, when you get an injury and it swells up, you throw some ice on it and it'll go away. You get a crowd, throw something dead on it, and they'll leave. But the church will figure out what to do with the dead thing. God's interested in building a church here, not a crowd. You know, all are called, but few are chosen. There are times when God has a multitude of people around, but he'll look at them and he'll say, you can go home now. Because I'm looking for the people that are serious about this. He wants to know who's going to go on the journey. Because remember, this is about the people. He said, let us go to the other side. This is about transition right now. This is about even this church today. I feel the Holy Ghost. This is about this church transitioning. At some point in time, you and I have to make up our mind. We're no longer going to just kind of be this thing that's just here. We're going to become a part of what God planned on us being. We're going to grow up into the people that God intended us to grow up into. We're not going to become what other people say we should be. We're going to become what God said we can be. And so there has to be a... a It's not about the type of boat they were in. It's not about anything. It's about the journey from one place to the next place. Always, the story is about from here to there. That's life. You know what they said? It's that little little dash between the beginning and the end they put on your tombstone. That's what this is about right here. Because it really does not matter when you got started. Are you ready? It's not even going to really matter what you, where you stop. What matters is what you've done in between. 
What matters is what you're going to do with this Sunday morning right here. Are we just going to shoot a bunch of poppers in the air and say, yay, five years? Or are we going to get down to business with God and say, okay, God, it's time for us to recognize. You've given us five years. Now, we're going to go somewhere. We're going to get somewhere. We're going to go where you're calling us. We're going to go where you're leading us. And we're going to be at every step of the way. We're going to walk with you. And we're going to see your will done. I read you scriptures out of both Luke and I read you one out of Matthew. But if you were to go and read those scriptures, you would find out that each one of them is introduced with a different introduction because remember, the story is about the journey. And if you were to read out of Mark, or excuse me, out of Luke, you'd find out that who you're related to doesn't matter on this journey. Because Jesus is ministering. Is it right if I take my time? Because I know we're in a home mission setting and this is... Jesus is, is teaching and they come pushing through the crowd and they say, Lord, Lord, your, your mother and, and brother are outside. They, they, they want to talk to you. And he looks at them and says, are you ready? This is cold-blooded, people. But if you love your family more than you do your Savior, you've got problems. And Jesus taught them a lesson. They said, Lord, your mother and your brethren are outside. And he looked at them and said, check, no. You want to know who my family is? My family's not who I share blood with. My family are the people that do my will. And he points around that room and says, the people that do my will are my family. If you want to be part of God's family, you got to do his will. You can't say, well, my mom and daddy went. Listen, I told you my lineage right there, but this is not about my grandfather's God. This has become, he became my God. This isn't about my grandfather's message. This is about the message that God gave me the revelation about. This is my message. And then if you go forward a little bit and you read Matthew, you'll find out that in Matthew, Jesus tells them before the journey, they come to him and they, they really want to be a part of this. And he says, let me tell you a little something. Foxes have holes. Birds have places. But if you're going to start on this journey, you can't be banking on, on earthly financial success. I know that shakes people up because you see, I happen to believe God is a God of blessing, but I'm going to tell you something. It's, I had a man say it like this one time and I've, I've lived by it. I don't care how much money you got in your pocket as long as you don't have any of it in your heart. So God, I'd rather be blessed than rich. Did you hear me? I said, I'd rather be blessed than rich. I'd rather have the hand of God on my finances than, than to have some money that was in my jaw dragging me around, worried about every little thing, the Dow Industrial. No, I want, I want to be blessed of God. And God looks at him and says, I'm going to tell you something. You want to make this journey? You better not sit down and cost you and start counting how much overtime this is going to cost you. And you better not try to figure out how much money the, uh, the church is going to need from you. And you better not figure out what this is going to... you got to make up your mind. I'm in the boat. 
I don't care if my family comes with me. I don't care if I go broke. I don't care if I go down. I'm going on the journey. I'm not going to miss the opportunity to go to the other side. I think we ought to just clap our hands and give God praise and glory. Let him know we're going to the other side. You know, let me talk about excuses for a few minutes. A lot of people will, I, I, I deal with people like this. I just made a call. I pastor church. I made a call this week to a man. I haven't seen him for two or three services. Some of you may think that's no big deal. Well, let's see you treat food like you do church. You just don't eat for three or four days, and then I'll come and offer you a burger, and you're like, it ain't no big deal. I'm not even really that hungry. Right. So then they didn't show up for church. I started calling him. I said, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I can hear noise in the background. Doing good. I, you know, I got, I got a lot going on, job, you know, working six days a week. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, let's use my terminology. Hey, homeboy, you better get your head in the game. Because just three years ago when God got you, you were on the front page of the San Jose Mercury in jail for three capital murder offenses. Yeah, when I called the jail, they wouldn't even take me in to you unless the head chaplain would come. Because they said it's so violent where he's at. I couldn't even get in to see him. And one Sunday morning, he showed up. He's sitting on the pew, and I'm like, uh-oh. We either have a miracle or we have a mess. So at offering time, we're all talking like you. I go down to him, like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> Should I be looking for visitors? No. Pastor, they dropped the charges. I told him I wasn't there. He said, I'm done. I'm ready to turn my life around. I'm going to pray through. I'm going to get baptized. I'm living for God. That's what he told me. He came to the altar. He prayed through. He got baptized. His girlfriend came in, prayed through, got baptized. They're both living for God. They're getting married. God's blessed them. He's got a great job driving a truck, making a lot of money. She's managing a restaurant. These are both convicted felons. Where are you? You had nothing when you started this journey. What makes you think? The world's going to give you something to replace this journey. If a man gains the whole world and loses a soul, he's the biggest loser. Because the only thing that matters is our soul. Let me hasten for a little bit here and try to get us to where we need to go. You're going to follow Jesus on this journey. There's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be some things that are going to come in the way. You know, I tell people this. If you have an exit ramp in your walk with God, you'll take it. If you have an option, a plan for what happens if this doesn't work out, you'll always take care of the option. You have to be committed to this thing. I'm going to preach to you. I don't know. I know your pastor. He's an incredible preacher. I'd much rather hear him preach than me. <clears throat> but I'm just going to preach to you like I would at home. You, you have to have your mind made up. You have to buy into this. You have to say, you know what? I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. 
When your pastor and I were in Bible school together one day, I slept through my classes, as was my habit. And I was in bed. Actually, I think I'd narrowed my full-time load down to about four hours a week. And I went to class two days a week for two hours each day. And so I did a lot of sleeping. And I'm in my bed sleeping. And they come in, and one of them says, hey, this is the danger of Bible school. Get a bunch of 18-year-old kids together, and I'm telling you, good things are not coming out of it. Hey, we should go shave our heads. This really happened. And I am in bed, and they're in my room, and I go, okay. And I get out of bed, and I get dressed. I said, let's go. And we went down to the barber shop, and I got in the chair, and I told one of the barbers, I said, lock the door. Because if I'm shaving my head, everybody's getting a haircut. And we shaved our heads. Just that's called buy-in. <laughs> because there is no turning back. I had hair now. Now I do it all the time. But then I had hair. My point is, is this is the way some people are about church. It's like a, it's like a real cold swimming pool. I'll go put my toe in it this Sunday. I'll see if the temperature's changed. I'm going to go put my toe in and see it. Is this all right? Because I'm not trying to put anybody on blast, but I am going to put you on uncomfortable. Because the, you know what they said? My job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. So I'm here today to do one of my two jobs. And, and some people treat it like that pool, and they keep putting a toe in and pulling out. <laughs> Woo, man, that's cold. Ooh, man. Oh, oh, can I tell you another story? I used to belong to a health club, one of the last ones in the Bay Area that would allow you to do this without worrying about being sued. They had a cold plunge. They had a little tiny pool that was 53 degrees, and you just jumped in this ice-cold water and soaked. Now, notice I said jump. They had steps. Only the fools used the steps because there ain't no way you're getting in that water if you wade in there slowly. You get down about your knees. You're like, I'm feeling cool. I'm out. Joints are much better. The only way you could get in it, and all of us that used it regularly, you didn't talk about it. You didn't say, I'm going to go get in the cold plunge now. Because you knew if you let that thought get in your mind, you weren't getting in the cold plunge. You just had to, while you were talking to your friends, you're like, yeah, yeah. And you just had to jump in. You just had to get in it. You go underwater, and you come out, you're like. <laughs> and everything hurts. That's the only way you can really make this journey. Is you just got to jump in. You got people walking around the church kicking the sides. Is this the church I want? Is this, is this got all the seating I need? Is this got all the ministry I need? This isn't about a church. This is about Jesus. This is about his cause, his purpose, his calling on a life, his mission. This is about getting in the boat and going to the other side. It's about, it's about making the journey. I could preach to you the rest of the day. Did you know that the word tempest, here we are, so now we're land lovers. There's no, there's no sow belts around here in Denver, I think. They probably are on some lakes, but I haven't seen them. So for all of you that are attached to the ground, are you ready? This connects to you because it says a tempest arose, and you go study the word tempest, you know what it means? An earthquake. You say, what? They were in a boat. It doesn't matter what was going on. What God's telling us is, on the journey, I'll shake things up. 
I'll shake things up if you're in a boat in the middle of the water, or I'll shake things up if you're driving down the 25. I'll shake things up to see if you're really ready to make the journey. Because the test was about the people in the boat. It was not about Jesus. We know he can do anything. We sang about it today. He can heal anything. He can help anything. He can touch anything. He can get anything. It's about the people in the boat. It's about vertical church right here. All of you, I don't know you. I've only seen the nodding hams. I don't know that I've laid eyes on anybody else in here. But that's kind of beside the point. It doesn't really matter. This is about you doing what God's calling you to do. This is about you making a covenant with your pastor this is about you making a commitment to your God this is about you saying it's time to go to the next level it's time for vertical to become the church God intended it's not about those that do and those that don't it's about everybody we're all in the boat this thing's going to make it if we all pull this thing's going to succeed if we all give this thing's going to thrive if we all pray we've got to all be involved we've got to all make a commitment And and I'm going to close in just a second, but here's where it comes down to. You know, the invitation, it's not just to anybody. It's to those that claim to be a part. That's the thing that gets people. This is not, there's not, listen, everybody in here, this is a, a cold water moment for you. Are you ready? Say this with me. I am replaceable. Yeah. I preached something in my church one time. Guy didn't like it. I don't even tell you what it is. Guy didn't like it because I probably preach a lot of things guys people don't like. So why stop at one? He said, he told somebody, he said, he's going to miss my tithe. And he left. I'll tell you, he paid $40,000 a year in tithe, just in tithe. He said, he's going to miss my tithe. And he left. And the next year, our tithes went up. Yeah, because say it with me. I am replaceable. Are you ready for this? God doesn't need us. We need God. We're here today because we have the intelligence to say, without you, I can do nothing. You're the soil and I'm the flower. The flower outside of the soil is doomed to die. I need God. I need God in my family. I need God in my job. I need God in my house. I need God in my, I need God everything. I need him in my relationships. And I sure need God in the middle of my church. I want God on my pastor. I want God on my Sunday school teachers. I want God on my sound man. I want God on the drummer, on the bass player. I want him on the worship. I want God everywhere. Because without God, we can't do this. And so God pulls and he's calling today and he's saying, hey, some of the things that are happening in your life are not because this is just what we call life. This is the transition. And in the transition, you've got to change. You have to change. You have to change your worldview. You have to change the way you live, the way you live. The way you approach things. Let me tell you, in a world that we're living in right now that is so filled with literal hell, we really think we're going to make heaven on just a little bit of church on Sunday? You think a few hours here on a Sunday afternoon is going to combat the other six days, 24 hours you're getting of hell? 
You really think that? You're fooling yourself. We don't need less of God. We need more of God. We need our pastor to say to us, we need to start another service during the week because the days are waning and the trip is so important and God's plan is so valuable that we need to give more, not less. We need to do more. We need to commit more. I know how I'm preaching right now, and I know that this doesn't really go over very good, but I'm going to tell you, we're either going to be the church that he went to Calvary for, or we're going to be the church that somebody else said we could be without Calvary. You see, Calvary is a decision-making point. Everybody has to go to Calvary, and it happens long before you ever get to the tree. Long before he ever got to the tree, he had made up his mind. He was dying out to self. He settled in a garden, Gethsemane, the place of the skull. Go back and study it. We just had a, a preacher a preaching at our church. This place where he's at, this garden where he's praying, it's not just a random place. There were strongholds. This is where they had, this is where they had sacrificed to idols. This is where people had been killed in idol worship. And yet Jesus goes to the place the garden and dies to self. And when he gets to the tree, there's no struggle. Many times we want to wait till we get to the tree. The decision has to be made on Sundays when you're celebrating the fifth anniversary of your church. Pastor, we're going with you. All the way. We may not be right now what we will be, but we're in the boat. Let's make the journey. Let's go to the next place. Let's do it. Musicians come. You know, when we compare it to life as we know, there's, a, some, there's some challenges. I told you to make note in our text of the, the scripture that said, and there were other little ships. You may have heard this preached before. Everybody say little. little. We say little and we think children. We think people that are vertically challenged. We think little. We think a lot of things. A tic-tac. Little. But I look at it a little differently from the scripture. This wasn't little as in, hey, I have a cute little boat. This is little as in, I'm not really committed. I want to I venture out in the water, but I don't want to make a big commitment. And if it gets rough and you're in a little boat, guess what you will do? You will head to the safety of shore. And you really don't care what shoreline it is as long as it's shore. As long as you can get out of the wind and the waves and the trouble and the tumultuous seas, you're going. It was little. Let's talk about little. Everybody in here needs to make this application today. I can't for you. We live in a society that wants less and less demands on what they are and what they have. Don't ask any more of me. We try to build churches that are going to change people's eternity. And people can oftentimes be resistant. Well, that's a lot to ask. Come Sunday morning and stay for two hours. We want little. We want little church services. 
little prayer time, little inconvenience, little conviction, little confrontation. But we want bigger vacations. And we want bigger houses. And we want bigger savings accounts. And we are investing in all the wrong things. Let me talk to you about little today. Take little out of your life. You're not going to make the journey on little. Because when you read the rest of the story, you'll read that their ship got there, but you don't ever read about one of those little ships making it. Because people with little commitment go through the same storm as people with big commitments. The difference is, is what your commitment is. If you have a big commitment, you may go through it, and your water, your water line may be way above your comfort level, but you're going to make it. But if you got a little commitment, the storm's coming. It's not if it's coming. I said it's coming. It's when it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming tomorrow. It's coming next week. It's coming in a year. We've all been through our storms. We're all going again. You get that phone call. You get that letter. You get that moment. Somebody tells you something. You, you, you're going to go through that storm. You might as well make up your mind right now on this Sunday. I'm going to enlarge my ship here. I'm going to make it a little bit bigger than it's ever been. There's going to be a lot more put on the altar than has ever been on the altar. There's going to be a lot more in my life I'm going to surrender. I'm going to quit trying to hang on to the old me and the, and the new me. I'm letting go of the old and I'm grabbing on to the new and I'm going over to the other side. You can stay if you want to. My, listen, this is, not about, this is not about lack of love, but here's the bottom line. I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm going to the other side. I don't care if my mom and dad don't come. I'm going to the other side. It doesn't matter. Listen, I love her. I'll go heartbroken. But if my wife doesn't want to come with me, I'm going to the other side. If my children who I'd give my life for don't want to go, I love you. I'll be on the other side. I'm going where Jesus wants me to go. I'm following after him. And I think this would be just a great place for us to stand. And I don't know how you ended here, Pastor. I don't know. I'm just going to do it like I feel it. I think everybody... I think every one of us for a few minutes here today, we need, to, we need to step out of our seat and come down and say, Lord, I'm done with little. I'm getting large right now. You've got everything. Come on, there's a call in the pool, and God has been talking to somebody.